Stand by for the Terry Saul Show. Five, roll tape. Four, cue Terry. Three, bring audio up. Two, stand by. One, play intro. Stay tuned for the Terry Soul Show, Soltissimo, on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 and 1220 AM, KSLM. Well, good morning, and welcome to the Terry Soul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. I am your host, and I'm so glad that you joined us. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. Amanda is joining me today. Good morning, Amanda. How are we? Well, good morning. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm just, you know, living the dream. Uh, we have to behave today because we have a judge in here. Oh. And we don't want him. Uh-oh. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Okay. We don't want him to judge us. Oh. Are we ready Shoot. for that? All right. <laughs> Too late. Sorry, sir, but I've been holding that one all day long. Joining us is uh, Vance Day. And uh, you are running for, what are you running for? I'm running for the Oregon Court of Appeals. And, of course, nobody knows what that is. I have no clue. Yeah, well, there's three different levels of judges in Oregon, 300 judges in all. So you get a whole bunch on the bottom of the pyramid called circuit court judges. I was one of those for seven years here in Marion County. And we do everything from death penalty to divorce, constitutional law to contracts, all the trials. That's where I saw you. You said divorce. I'm thinking, that's where I saw him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I saw you several times on that in that case. Um, So we do all the trials, basically. All right. And then right above that is the court of appeals. And so all the judgments that somebody wants to appeal go to that court. Okay. And there's only 13 judges on that court. I'm running for position three against a gal named Darlene Ortega. She's been there. All right, wait, wait. We'll get into all that. That. I'm getting that in just a second here. You know, first. this is my courtroom, Terry. You don't get to interrupt me like that. What the heck? I like you. <laughs> I can't even be a smart aleck to me, can I? No, you because cannot. one of these days, I'm going to see him again. <laughs> Except he'll be in a robe and I won't be. Black, black dress, but There you go. Um, what is what is your background? Where are you from? Let's start with that. Where are you from? What, are you, what have you been doing all your life? Well, I'm a 16, 16, sixth generation Oregonian. My family came here in 1846. My fifth great grandfather was the first judge in Oregon. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So we've cool. been here a long time. I'm not that old, but but I love my state. I, I, Oregon is the most beautiful place to live. It's gone, you know, kind of gone crazy in the last country. 20 years, but it is God's country. Yeah. He may vacation in California, but he lives in Oregon. Uh, you got that yeah. right. So, um, grew up in Portland. You were, you were waiting to use that line, weren't you? I haven't I, used that line yeah, in years, I, I Terry. Tell, that, it just, just popped out. You were waiting to use that one. <laughs> so, I grew up in Portland, went to Lincoln High School, like my dad went to Lincoln High School, like my grandpa went to Lincoln High School, blah, 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 blah. But I spent some years overseas, uh, did a graduate degree in archaeology in the Middle East, spent some time in Eastern uh, East, as in Taiwan, mainland China. Smuggled Bibles there, did some things like that. Ended up in the news media, working for overseas radio and television, and then primarily CBN News, Middle East Television. I was a journalist and a producer, became an anchor, news anchor on the evening news. And then I went and got, worked on a master's degree in government at Regent University, and then ended up going to law school. So graduated from Willamette. 1991, practiced law for 20 years here in Marion County, and then Governor John Kitzhaber put me on the Marion County Circuit Court, and I was there for seven years. What do you do in your spare time? I know. 
Good yeah. Lord. Well, I have <laughs> spare time. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, I have three kids and an awesome wife yeah. who's a lot smarter than me. And we now live in central Oregon um, because she found some property and I built a couple homes there because I was in the trades, primarily a cabinet maker with the Mennonites in Virginia. Love, right. love right. wood. And so, but after I left the circuit court, I got the opportunity to be the COO of Promise Keepers. I remember them. Are they yeah. still around? They kind of folded, but there was a group of men on the board who wanted to bring it back. So they brought in fresh blood, including me. Yeah. And then, then the board made me president, and we rebuilt it. Uh, 2020, we did a, let's see, a global gathering of 1.2 million men. Okay. Wow. They watched seven hours of, of what, what content. What is Promise Keepers about? Yeah, I was just going to... Well, if you haven't heard about Promise Keepers, it's a ministry to I men. I have Amanda hasn't. Yeah, I know. She's young. But yeah. you got to forgive her then. <laughs> um, but it's a it's an international ministry to men. And okay. we help men understand their what their purpose is, their destiny. Yeah. We teach men about, you know, what I call the five Ps, that as a male, as a man, as a husband, as a father, I've got a duty to protect, to provide for my family, to play with them, to plan with them, and, and frankly, to promote them. And when I a man like that. does that... He and, and, and is and is a co-leader with his wife. Yeah. It it really opens up a person to liberty. I mean, the kids understand. You know, we take care of our kids. We we help them understand their purpose. Mm -hmm. It's it's obviously a Christian ministry. Right. And so we help men understand how to be men. And the bottom line is I is like that, that. I love my wife to death, but she doesn't make men. I make men. <laughs> yes. Because I'm a man. I learned how to be a man from my dad. Oh, I right. like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like you don't that. learn how to be a man by watching people not be men. Right. And so, you know, this this idea of toxic masculinity is just a bunch of bovine material. It's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, yes, there are some guys who are about power and control. And when I was a judge, one of my jobs was to say, dude, knock it off. That isn't going to happen in my courtroom because he was, you know, intimidating the woman on the other side when they were being divorced and things like that. When men intimidate, they're outside of their jurisdiction. They have no right to intimidate. But when you lead... You inspire people. You call them up because you know who they are and you've helped build them to who they are. That's a whole different paradigm. Mm. And so Promise Keepers was focused on helping men understand who they're supposed to be in our culture. That's really cool. And so they, were, I, they were real big back when? In the 1990s. Okay. Yeah. Coach McCartney of the Buffs down – I'm not a big football guy, but he, he won the national championship and then shocked the world by – Resigning and becoming, you know, the president of Promise Keepers. Okay. Starting it. And literally over 10 years, they ministered to 10 plus million men. Wow. I mean, in one one year, they did 26 NFL stadium events. I mean, and they were packed. And they were packed. packed. I remember that, yeah. 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 Thousands and thousands of men came to faith through Promise Keepers, and it changed their lives. I happen to look back as a cultural kind of historian and see that in the 1990s, Promise Keepers, I think, extended the economy, the, the blessings that were here in the United States for another generation. It literally saved that generation because men started to understand, I got to engage. Yeah. I just can't sit on the couch and eat potato chips and watch sports. No, I got to lead. I got to provide for my family. And it re reignited that sense of who men are called to be. 
Who who are some of the the names that went through Promise Keepers? Well, like Tony big... Evans. Okay. You know, you think of him. He, he's still in ministry in in Texas. You had, yeah. I mean, so many men. Howard Hendricks, um, just to name a few. Um, gosh, I, I used to do this program on television. We did, I think, fifty two episodes called PK Classics, Promise Keepers Classics. Okay. And it still runs today. Okay. And and we would take the old videos from the 1990s. We'd introduce them. We'd sometimes even interview them now. I mean, 20 oh, something years yeah, later. Yeah. You know, and it was just so much fun. Yeah. And so it's a real legacy. There was a lot of NFL players that went through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah. In fact, even on the board now, there's Chad Hennings. You may, that main name may not mean much to you, but he's got three Super Bowl rings from the Dallas Cowboys in the 1990s. Well, that's why. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Wow. Oh. <laughs> now, if you, the, if you just said the Denver Broncos, I'd be impressed. Or the but Seahawks. Well, okay. Let's get out of football. Is that the Sea Chickens? Like, there oh, you go. Lord. I don't yes. like you anymore. <laughs> Yes. There you out the window. No, no, no. <laughs> yes, Your Honor, it was. <laughs> you know my view of football, though, is that it's it's a artifact of ancient Roman society. It's part of the gladiator circus events, and so I'm not real. You know, it's like give me a break. I mean, I love to watch you know sports, but don't be idolizing football. So for all you listeners, if you're making football an idol, don't do it. Just enjoy it. And that's where I come in. My son, he's a big Seahawks fan, See, so I just support him. I'm just his big hype man. How do we get on this subject? How do you... How, <laughs> what happened? Where did we go wrong? How do, I, how do I piss off a judge? You don't. <laughs> you just don't. All right. So are you still involved with Promise Keepers? I, I told him I'd give him three years. I left in April of last year, and I went home to build a house in Powell okay. Butte. And, um, yeah, it was very cathartic. Building a house. I, I tried to get, I'm, I'm the general contractor, but I couldn't find a good electrician, so I became an electrician. I couldn't Uh-oh. find a good plumber. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it worked, all worked out. Past How's your all. hot tub? Oh, it is awesome. <laughs> but no, that's not an invitation. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we just finished, and um, so it, it, I was trying to finish it a couple months before I began this campaign. Right. But, you know, that doesn't happen sometimes. So. All right. So you're in this campaign. Is it is it an ugly campaign? It's an under-the-radar the campaign. Why is that? Well, because, one, not many people know what the Court of Appeals does. They don't understand it. it's the, one of the most powerful courts in our state. Okay, what, do, what, what do you do? Well, what does it do? think about a trial. Let's say you you have a criminal trial and your attorney screws up. Well, look the, at Amanda when you say that because, that, <laughs> you know, she'd have a trial before I would. She's smiling so mm-hmm. nicely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I look. I look at you, and I think yeah, I've I seen you before. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I, I was nice in your courtroom. Well, you look better in orange. Yeah, you, well, I know that, that was. Seven, <laughs> I thought so too. You gave me seven to ten years. You know, is it that long? <laughs> yeah, oh, it was sorry. That long, I thought that. So you could have you could have appealed from your sentence. All, okay. all joking, folks. Jerry was never convicted. We know that. But <laughs> I had uh, a good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> so you could appeal from your conviction or from whatever. And that appeal goes right up to the Court of Appeals. So the Court of Appeals has to accept all the appeals except a small number. Once the Court of Appeals gets done analyzing if there was a problem in the trial or if rights were violated or a law was violated, then they write an opinion. Okay. So those opinions get published in books and other lawyers follow them as precedents. And so... The court above the Court of Appeals doesn't have to take the appeals. They, they, they get to decide what they darn well please. That's the Supreme Court. Eighty percent of all the legal issues end at the Court of Appeals. That's why it's important. Okay. And nobody knows who the judges are. 
Right. Nobody runs against the judges because there's this secret little deal in the Oregon Bar Association. Don't run against a sitting judge. Well, I don't agree with that little thing called the secret deal. I believe Oregonians need a choice. And so I'm running, giving them a choice between me, because I'm a conservative. People know I, I, I fall on the right of the spectrum. I'm a constitutionalist. I'm a person of faith. And my opponent, who, nice enough lady, but she believes probably the opposite that I do on most issues. Right. And okay. so that's why I'm running. So the Court of Appeals, do we still have capital punishment here? Yes, we do. Okay. Although, And I've sentenced, uh, I sentenced a fellow to death. He'll never get put to death because it seems like every single governor violates their oath because the Constitution says they're supposed to execute those people. Whether you like the death penalty or not or don't agree with it or do agree with it, it doesn't matter. Governors have a constitutional duty to exercise their authority, and they're not doing it. Why aren't they doing it? Because they... they, they, they they confuse their capacity for action, the ability to take an action, with the authority to take action. Let me let me explain that because you're giving me that look like, what the heck did Same. he just say? I, yeah. Same. Okay. So if I had a gun right now, I have a finger, right? I could point the gun, pull the trigger with my finger and shoot you, okay, right? right? Do I have the authority to do that? No. I have no permission from the government to shoot you. Okay. I can't. I can do it because I have a finger and a gun. That's the difference between capacity to take action versus authority to take action. And so you see government elites, those who think that they know better than us, they're exercising their power to tell us what to do. But they don't have the authority constitutionally to do that many times. Okay. So the governor is supposed to execute people. But she said, and the governors before them, well, we just disagree with it, so I'm not going to enforce the law. <laughs> no, 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 governor. You don't have the authority to say you're not going to enforce the law. You took a constitutional oath. That constitutional oath says you will enforce the Constitution and the laws thereof. Okay. I don't mean to interrupt you, but we do need to take a break here when we come back more. With, uh, are, are you considered Judge Vance Day right now? Are you, it's, yeah, what, well, what, just, what do we call you? You just call hey, me dude. Vance. Just Vance. Okay. Don't call me late for dinner. That's all I care about. We're going to take a short <laughs> break right now. When we come back more with today's special guest. You're listening to The Terry Stall Show, 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. We are KSLM. Today's show being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. Stick around, folks. We're just getting warmed up. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. You know, when it comes time to move into a new home, it's time to consider Don Lule Homes. The Lule difference is simply setting the bar for quality service in Salem. Find out today about custom-built new homes. Don Lule Homes offers open floor plans, quality craftsmanship, and over 50 years of excellent experience in new construction. Beautiful homes are coming soon. Call today and ask for Erica at 503-428-6992. Don Lule Homes. Back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. 
You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. Welcome back to the Terry Salt Weekend Show. We are talking today with Amanda, who has joined us, as well as uh, Judge Vance Day. And we were talking just before that last break about uh, the death penalty. And have you ever had to sentence somebody that, I mean, it was brought before you that you had to sentence them to the death penalty? Yes. I didn't do the original underlying trial. It was a guy named Haugen, and he originally wanted to die. He was fighting to die. Didn't oh, want wow. attorneys. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the time it got to me, then he didn't want to die anymore. And and understand my philosophy on the death penalty. A lot of people say, well, it's punishment. Okay, yeah, in part it is, but not really. It's actually designed when you are – when you're convicted for capital murder, so that you're going to get the death penalty after that. That's the law. It's actually meant to be a forfeiture issue. I know that sounds odd, but yeah. think about it this way. Each of us are born with the, this is the original common law view of the death penalty. You're a child of God. God made you. He gave you the imago Dei, the, the initial seed of, of his, you're in, made in his image. That's what the imago Dei means. Okay. So when somebody kills another person, they have no authority to do that, no right to do that, no liberty to kill another person unless there's an exemption or a, an excuse to do that, like defending yourself or a soldier. So when you kill somebody in cold blood, you end, that, that act right there means you forfeit your right to exist. Right. So it's a forfeiture issue, not a punishment. Okay. When you kill somebody, you've given up your right to exist, and the state should should assist in making sure that your life ends. So why why do we have the last two governors wouldn't do it? Because they're exercising their power to not do it, their capacity outside their constitutional duties. They 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 constitutionally cannot, if they're following the constitution not do their duty. They're supposed to do their duty and put the person to death. And because we don't hold our governors accountable at the ballot box, or we don't get upset with them and start to agitate back like citizens should, they just think they can do anything they darn well please. Hmm. And they can't. So the the case that you had where you had to, to sentence him to death, mm-hmm. how much sleep did you lose over that one? I didn't lose any sleep. Really? Yeah. Because the jury had looked at all the evidence. I have the capacity to lose sleep. I mean, I can worry about stuff. But Do you? Well, only when it's within my scope of jurisdiction, my backyard. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about your backyard, Terry. I'm not going to lose sleep over what Terry's doing because it's not my job to do that, right? You ain't my circus. You're not one of my monkeys. Now, <laughs> <laughs> guess he put me in my spot, didn't he? Well, I mean, it, he's got a valid point. It's your liberty. No, I, I hear you. Yeah. You know, I, I, a lot of people do dumb stuff. And, but when it comes to me as a judge and I have authority over the dumb stuff they do, then, yeah, then that's my job to worry about that, to think about that, to, to process that. But in Mr. Haugen's case, he had gone through a jury trial. It was, the evidence was overwhelming what he did. You know, how he killed those people, those two people. And the jury said, you deserve death. So now what do I do? It's my job to sentence him to what? Death. So my scope of authority is very narrow. Right. Unless the jury made a mistake or I saw something in his trial that was a violation of his rights or his law, the law, which I didn't, then only then can I 
not sentence him to death. But I didn't find those things. So I didn't lose sleep about it because I was just exercising my duty. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. The Court of Appeals, is. are you actually going to be in a courtroom then? Do you retry the, the, the case? I mean, what is the Court of Appeals? Is it just a bunch of guys sitting around talking about it? Uh, no, actually, there are arguments, just like the Supreme Court. You know, who's, who's doing the arguments? Usually attorneys. Okay. And so what, the, what they do is, is they say, okay, we are going to appeal this trial. That We see these problems. And so a Court of Appeals requires you to identify the problems that you see in the underlying record. And then the, the attorneys brief it. They write these big briefs you got to read. And then they come and they argue it before you. You ask them questions. And then we say, thank you very much. We sit down and we make a decision about whether, you know, we're going to overturn that judgment or whether we're going to, what are we going to do? And so we apply the law to that case and we make a decision. Very seldom do we have the opportunity to do what's called de novo review, meaning look at every fact, look at the case as if it was coming to me as a trial attorney. Is there a time frame that you have to make a decision? Well, you know, the interesting thing is there darn should be because the Court of Appeals is known as an adjudicative court. That means you're supposed to make decisions quickly you know, within four to six months, eight months of the argument. That's quick for a court. But this court right now, some of those decisions haven't been made for like two years. Wow. It's not good. And and you'd think in COVID they'd have a lot more time yeah. to get stuff done, but they haven't. And that's Why? one of the you know, I, I don't know. It's an I, excuse. I can, is that could, what it is? Well, Feels like it, maybe. I, I'm sorry. I, well, I don't know. You know, I, I I know most of the people on the Court of Appeals in some manner, not real personally, and and I know they're good-hearted people. They they're not doing this job because they can make a ton of money at it because right. they don't. Um, but I don't know why they're not getting these cases done. And and I come from the private sector, so when I entered the public sector, I had to tell. Some of my staff to take some work breaks, please. You don't get to sit there and read a novel on the state's time. You're here to serve the public, not just kind of stand there and, you know, with right. your finger in your ear and not do anything. Gosh darn it. That's not how the public sector should work. We mm -hmm. should be working as harder, harder than the private sector, but we don't. So that's why you need more private sector attorneys on the Court of Appeals, because I didn't grow up in the government. I didn't suckle at the government teat. I understand that you got to get things done because the public needs to move forward, and that's what the court should do. When was the last time somebody was put to death in Oregon, do you know? It was in John Kitzhaber's first uh, term. So I'm going to say probably about 12, 12, yeah, about 12 to 15 years ago. years ago, sometime in there. And I think it was his second term that he decided, no, we're not doing that anymore. Wow. You know, it may, have, it may have been longer than that now that I think about it. We got a whole bunch of people sitting on death row. Okay. How long can you stay on death row? Till they put you to death? Till they put you to death. Yeah. We need to take a short break. When we come back, more with today's special guest. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule, State Farm Insurance. More in just a moment. Stick around. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. Back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. 
You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM, brought to you today by the Lule Group. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. Are you in the market for a new car? Well, if so, I encourage you to do what I do. Head down to Lule's Car Connection. Lule's has been selling quality vehicles for over 30 years. Lule's brokers any new vehicle selling within dealer invoice. Check this out. Lule's has financing with most major lenders and credit unions. So do what I do. Stop by Lule's Car Connection located at 2055 Mission Street in Salem and tell them Saltissimo sent you. Lule's Car Connection. Welcome back to the Terry Saul Weekend Show on Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host, Amanda Smith is here, and also Judge Vance Day is here. All right, you knew darn well we are going to get into this. You got yourself in a little bit of some hot water, didn't you? Hot water, yes. Yeah. I'm used to hot water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let me put it this way. Uh, there are certain duties that a judge has to do. Okay. That's a shall under the statute. And then there are some that you may do. Marriage is a may. It's not a judicial duty, but I chose to marry people because as a person of faith, if you're coming to a judge to get married, you probably have no idea what marriage is about. And so it gave me an opportunity, frankly, to talk to people about biblical marriage. What's that mean? Because as a person of faith, that's important. It's it's part of our culture. So when a federal judge um, up in Portland decided that the Oregon Constitution, which said marriage is between a man and a woman, passed by the people of Oregon in the 1990s, that that violated the U.S. Constitution, I decided to step back from all marriages. And I quietly recused myself from same-sex marriage first because I had other marriages on my calendar that I wasn't I, I had to fulfill. And so a series of events, long story short, when other people found out about that, uh, I was reported to the Ethics Commission. Actually, I reported myself to the Ethics Commission on a judicial ethics commission, excuse me, on a different issue. And when they came down to look at that different issue, uh, one of my colleagues said, did you know that Judge Day doesn't marry gay people? And boom, I saw my name running across Fox News one morning. Oh, gosh. And I thought, okay, so this is how this is going to get played. Here it goes. Yep. They're going to take Mr. Conservative, Mr. Republican, Mr. Person of Faith, 19, you know, 50-year-old white guy who's a conservative on the circuit court and just run me through, you know, the grinder. And so they did for four years. And so what I— What were the consequences? I mean, what—you say running through the grinder. What were—what were, well, what, what did you have to give up? People who have power can— can take you through litigation. I mean, the state of Oregon has unlimited resources, arguably. Okay. And so they basically came to me and said, you can resign or we're just going to take you through an ethics trial. And we're going to throw so many things at you. Oh, and they did. They threw you so know, everything. You fought them on it. Oh, yeah. And I was the first judge in arguably Oregon history to fight like that against the commission. Every judge just rolls over right. and says, I'll resign or, okay, give me my punishment, whatever. And I told him to go self-propagate. I ain't doing that. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is my liberty. I got to write yeah. that line down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. I have an inalienable right. We all do to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That doesn't come from civil government. That comes from God Almighty. Mm -hmm. And so civil government can come and say, I'm going to take your life, but they can't take my liberty unless I give it up to them. And I'm not willing to give up my liberty of conscience. Good for you. And so 
liberty of conscience is the fountainhead for freedom of the press, for, you know, liberty of speech, freedom of religion, assembly. It's all, it's the basis of all our liberties. And so that's what my family and I decided we do. We would fight. I don't, I don't like attorneys, and I am one. Um, and I had to hire nine of them, frankly. Wow. And my case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. It came back down. It, it, it just, it, for this four, was over a four-year period? Four-year period. Okay. And so it cost, you know, my legal fees were over a million dollars. So we, you know, I'm not a wealthy man. I, I, you know, income is not my self-worth. Nothing wrong with income. Nothing wrong with wealth. I just, that's not my economy. But we had a nice home. We had, you know, a, a commercial building and we had, you know, assets. But we sold all that, bought a fifth wheel and fought because that's what we had to do. Good and when you. they they suspended me, finally, uh, I think unrighteously, frankly, they didn't have a good reason to suspend what me. What was the reason? Well, they said, the Oregon Supreme Court said that, well, in this incident, you know, years ago that had been dismissed, a soccer incident. I mean, give, I was a bad soccer dad, they said. <laughs> I gave my card to a referee. When I asked for his and he asked for mine, that, that somehow was a violation of the judicial code of conduct. Oh, I was just telling you the other day, I used to be a soccer coach, too. And I had a referee before a game one day. He says, look, I bought a brand new red card and a brand new yellow card just because I knew I was coaching your show, your game tonight. He used it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and actually I was asked by some of the parents. This was a college game to approach the referee and get his name because they wanted to make a complaint against him. Right. And that was their right. Yeah. But evidently because— Why did they, why did they ask you to do it? Because you were an attorney? Or well, you because I was the or? calm one on the side. Okay. I mean, you know, I was exercised as well. I think I, I, I used to—I went to Westmont College. They were the national champions. I was recruited. So I was a good soccer player. I understood the game. Yeah. And so I said, don't, no, 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 don't go over there. Let me do it. <laughs> and so I happened to be the one who went over to help them. Right. And, and then this guy filed a complaint against me. It got dismissed. But guess what? Two years— Later, when this uh, Vance Day Doesn't Marry Gay Couples came up, they reinstituted it. They brought it back from the dead. And so the Oregon <laughs> Supreme Court, I think, wrote a 90-page two opinion. Oh, my gosh. 92-page opinion saying, well, we're not sure if Judge Day was fully um, honest in that, his report of that. So we're not sure. We think we're going to call him, you know, less than honest in that. And then they used that for other things. So well, what proof did they have, though? Not much. Zero. In fact, they didn't even look at the proof, in my opinion. See, that's the that's what happens. You know, when people who have power decide not to look objectively at the evidence, they can do anything they want with that evidence. Because they, they just they just ignore stuff. It, it was Is that what happened in your case? Oh, yeah. They ignored the, the evidence? We we showed them the evidence, but they, they didn't want to really look at it, in my opinion. Okay. And so then there's no timeline for them to come out with an opinion. And in the midst of that, the attorney general of the state of Oregon, Ellen Rosenblum, who was a big, big, big time Hillary supporter. Boom. A guy named Donald Trump won the presidency and she was mad as a hatter. And so seven or eight days after his election, she chose to indict me for crimes that never happened. The oh, wow. day before the statute of limitation ran on one of them. Think about that. I mean, I'm a sitting judge. She indicts me. I'm the first judge to be indicted in Oregon history. And then she, two more years, driving me through it. I mean, it, it just, you, you would never be able to really look at this and say, y they did this to is, this man? Is it an issue she had with you personally, though? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Absolutely. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't back down. Right. I just said no. So she was coming after you regardless. She was going to get you. Well, yeah, because I wouldn't resign. That's my opinion. Right. 
And so the funny thing is, it's not funny. It's tragic. One editorial said what the Oregon Supreme Court did to Judge Vance Day destroyed the fabric of justice in Oregon. I'm waiting for a trial, which is a he said, she said, actually he said, he said issue. Mm -hmm. So who are you going to believe, Judge Day or this Navy SEAL? And I won't give you the details about that because they're not okay. that relevant. Okay. Uh, they, they charged me with aiding and abetting a felon in possession of a firearm. It never happened. And I had eyewitnesses. But these my eyewitnesses were against this Navy SEAL. And so 30 days before I'm going to a jury trial where my credibility is at issue, suddenly the Oregon Supreme Court issues a 92-page opinion saying, we doubt Judge Day was honest in this little situation here. Now, why would you do that? Right. When there's no timeline to wait, you could have just waited 30 more days till after my trial was done. No, no, no. They hit me with a 92-page opinion, 30 right days of my trial. criminal trial. You can't tell me that there's something nefarious about that. And I'm sure that somebody is going to take what I'm saying right now, and they're going to say, gee, that violates the Oregon Code of Judicial Ethics for you to criticize the Oregon Supreme Court. And then after I win this race for the Oregon Court of Appeals, I'm going to get an ethics charge. You just watch. This is how these people work. You know, these bureaucrats who work in, in cross-state government, they don't care about these rights. They will come after you if you disagree with them. So you think when you get in, they're going to come after you again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, they can't stomach somebody who's an originalist who says, no, no, the Constitution says A, B, and C. It doesn't mean X, Y, and Z. You can't stretch the, con the Constitution and, quote, unquote, make law. Judges are not to make law. Right. That's the legislature's job. Mm -hmm. And judges, you know, sometimes judges who are activists, and I'm not, insert their opinion about process and or policy. Well, that's not a really good policy that the legislature made. We ought to say, do it this way. No, no. You just, if you think that the legislature as a judge violated the Constitution, then you write an opinion on how they violated the Constitution and you say it's unconstitutional and then you let the legislature fix it. Not our job as judges to fix it. See, that, that's why I'm a diversity candidate. It might sound strange, but I am because there is no conservative, originalist person of faith on the Court of Appeals. They all come from more of the left, in my opinion, on this political spectrum. And they come from more of the progressive end because the governor appoints them. Exactly. And then they run for office. And nobody ever challenges them. At, at this point in your life, in your career, in your marriage, in, in everything that's going on, why would you want to take on this battle if you know you're going to be fighting again? Well, either I'm a person of principle who believes in my state, which I am, or I've been smoking marijuana. And I don't smoke marijuana. Um, because I have to be crazy <laughs> to do this. I mean, I, I have I make a good living doing what I do, and I love to be with my family. Why in God's name would I want to be part of the judiciary that frankly attempted to scalp me, tar and feather me, and vote me off the island? Because I believe in my state, and I believe that we have a legacy of liberty. And I need to pass that legacy of liberty on to my grandkids and great-grandkids. And if people like me don't stand up and say, enough. Enough of you telling us how to live, work, and play. It's not your job, civil government, to get into my backyard and tell me how to mow my yard and plant my flowers. Those are my flowers, not yours. Mm -hmm. All right, we need to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. This is getting interesting. This is. Uh, this is the Terry Saw Weekend Show. I lost my place on here. Brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. We'll be back right after this. Stick around.
You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM, brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. We are back with our final few minutes. Today's guest has been Judge Vance Day. And Amanda, you were talking off the air about something. What was, what was that you were talking about? Yeah, I was. So you were saying how you went through all of this for four years. And my question was, how did that affect you and your family? It was really hard. I mean, you know, mentally as well as financially, it, it, it drained us. But I got to say, I, I, one of my mentors when I was young helped me understand that it, you have to have other men around you, other people who really care for you. Howie Hendricks, who is part of the part of the board of Promise Keepers, uh, before my time as president of Promise Keepers, he said that every man needs three different types of men in their life. A Paul, who speaks into them, a mentor, a Barnabas-type friend who you're just friends with. You just hang with that person. They're just always there for you. And then Timothys, those younger men who you 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 mentor, you speak greatness into. And I had all three of those types of men in my life. And without those battle brothers, I don't think I ever could have gotten through the the type of you vicious attacks from the state of Oregon. When you're laying there with your wife and you're you turned out the easy lights, buddy, just the easy two, buddy. Odd, hey, hang on, there, hang on there. You're, uh, just trust me, Your Honor. Uh, when you're laying there, the two of you, and she's looking at you, going, "You know what? I've I've got your back. I've got your back." Um, did Did you ever have that kind of a? a oh, absolutely. If it, my wife is an amazingly bright and beautiful, intelligent woman. Although she married me, so that mitigates well, against yeah, her intelligence. But I'm glad I didn't say that. <laughs> it's it's patently obvious. I married up. I certainly outkicked my coverage. Well, good for you. So you know, if she she was and and my children, they were like anchors. Dad, you've done nothing wrong. They are trying to strip you of your liberties. Always remember that. And my wife stood strong. Even even when they hit me with things like alleging that I was, you know, not faithful to my wife. They hit me with everything. Oh, gosh. And thankfully, I had somebody in the courthouse who knew that the camera in that, in that, uh, that hallway where this woman alleged that I, you know, touched her inappropriately never happened. And somebody got us the videotape. So they're, they're just oh, going for anything, anything and everything they can. Anything. Learn. And here was the video. We didn't even know it was coming. And all of a sudden, somebody said, Judge, we have the video of that day. And they showed me the video. I walked right past her. And so we got to show that to the right. commission. And suddenly that issue went away. Of course it did. No apology. No it apology. Went, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. It no. just went away, though. Yeah. But no apology. Yeah, no, no apology whatsoever. In fact, when that evidence went to the Supreme Court and we tried to show these things, they just ignored it. You know, that's the that's the strange thing about this whole you know event, is that if you would have told me at the beginning, okay, this is what was going to happen to you, I would have looked at you and said, you know, were you taking quaaludes? Or <laughs> what, what kind of drugs are you on? Is it a Stephen King novel? It's so odd that there's a documentary that they just finished. I only saw the final just this weekend, and it's called The Fight for Liberty, The Judge Day Story. It's an hour-long documentary, and I think they're going to start showing it across the state in a couple weeks in all different churches. Oh, that's wow. cool. you got Mike Huckabee in there. you got Governor Bob McDonald, uh, David Barton. I mean, a lot of different senators like Kim Thatcher or state representatives. Kevin Mannix is in it. I, I was really impressed by the quality. You know, if, and if people are interested in seeing that documentary, just go to our website, www.teamvanceday.com. 
Vance.org. Just one word, all lower caps or capitals, doesn't matter, teamvanceday.org. And just email us and say, where do we see this documentary? Because it's shocking what the elites in government do to the people. And we have to stand up against that because we don't, you know, they can take our lives, but they cannot take our liberties unless we give them up. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to stop giving them up. We don't have to be mean and nasty about it. Yeah. We just need to say, stop. You don't have the authority to do that, civil government. This is my life. These children don't belong to you. They don't belong to the state. It's my job to educate them. It's my job to rear them up. Mm-hmm. You don't get to do that, state of Oregon. So so why is there so much upheaval when, when the parents are saying, hey, this is my child. This is not yours, the state. Why, why are all these parents getting into trouble now? Because there's blocks of power. I'm a former teacher, a high school teacher. That was my undergraduate degree. Is there anything you haven't done? <laughs> uh, smoked marijuana. There you go. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hang on a second. The show's not over yet. <laughs> so you get these power blocks that are so used to, to power and control Right. And, and they're, okay, this may get me in trouble. So what? Uh, it ain't my We're first rodeo. We're used to getting in trouble yeah. around here. <laughs> so you got the Oregon Educational Association. They are used to telling politicians what to do and giving them donations and then expecting something back. Mm-hmm. And so parents as a block, I mean, that's a big voting block, but they're not organized. And so it's these smaller groups, the 5% groups or 3% groups that are teeny in our population, but they've got so much power and they've, they've gotten so used to exercising it, then when somebody like me stands up and says, no, you can't force me to marry same-sex couples against my faith, that they just come down like a ton of bricks on that person. And then everybody looks and says, ooh, gosh, Judge Day got his head, his head you know, pounded in. I'm not going to do what he did. Almost like a scare tactic. It, oh, definitely. That's exactly what it yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, and that's what they basically said. We're going to make you an example, and you're going to be sorry you did. Well, I ain't sorry. Sorry. Good for you. Yeah. I admire you for, for you. going through everything you did, and here you are running again to be in that position. I admire that. It's exactly what we need. You're fighting for us. Well, thank you. And I would encourage all your listeners to, you know, each of us goes through difficult times. And don't run from those trials. Trials make you stronger. You don't have a testimony unless you have a trial. You, you can't show your courage and your mettle unless you go through a battle. And all of us face battles. But how can you go, how can you go through that trial when, when, when they're just beating the hell out of you? And you're, I mean, you're down to, you have nothing. True. He's got his liberty. True. But I have my liberty and I have my conscience. And, and understand this, that when we honor our upline, those who came before us, we inspire our downline. Those who are around us who are younger. My fifth great-grandfather was the first judge in the state of Oregon. I owe that generation and the generations between me and them for giving me this liberty, passing it down. I just can't move to Idaho or Montana and run away. We can't do that as a people. We have to stand for what is right. And so when we stand for what, what is right, whether we get picked off or, you know, bad things happen to me, it does encourage other right-thinking Americans, Oregonians, to stand up and say, yeah, enough is enough. I'm going to push back 
on this government who's telling me that I'm that I've got to comply when we don't. Amazing, mm-hmm. amazing story. Well, we wish you the best of luck, and uh, you, you have my, my vote. You got my vote too. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I'm I'm going to. I'm just worried I might see him in a courtroom one of these days. So remember, I voted for you. <laughs> yeah, I'd say nice try. Yeah, nice try. Yeah, you would too. Nice try. Three to six. Uh, your website is www.teamvanceday.org. That's teamvanceday.org. Can you accept donations there? Can oh you, yeah. If somebody wants to donate to you. Absolutely. Got to be costing you a ton of money. Well, I you know we've outraised my opponent two to one. I mean, yeah. there there are hundreds of volunteers. I'm going to all 36 counties. My opponent isn't going to one. I, I she's I don't think she's having any events. Wow. So we're we're going to win this race if we just work our plan. But I appreciate anybody who is interested in donating, volunteering, whatever they can do. You bet. We yeah. accept it. It was it's fun having you in here today. Um, I'd rather see you here than in a courtroom. Absolutely. Um, but would you do me a favor? Would you come back again? Absolutely. Uh, and me- maybe when this thing is all over and you've won, go on back and let's gloat a little bit. Well, I would be a glad lot. to do that. <laughs> I will be traveling Oregon even after this race because people need to hear the story about what a great state we have and sure. the liberty that sure. is ours. Well, anytime you want to stop in here, the door is always open there, and we'd love to have you back again. Thank you, Terry. All right, Judge Vance Day. Go to his website, www.teamvanceday.org. That's going to wrap it up. We're just about out of time. We'll see you next week. Stick around. Thanks, Amanda. You're welcome. We're just about out of time for today's show. Remember, you can catch our show every Saturday at 10 a.m. and a replay Sundays at 6 p.m. right here on Salem's original radio station, KSLM. A reminder, if you missed any of today's show or would like to hear any of my shows, you can always hear a podcast on our official KSLM website at www.kslm.news or on my official website at www.terrysaul.com. If you would like to drop me a note, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is terry at kslm.news. We'll see you next time. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to The Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Holmes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Good show. Bye, everybody.